This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, on October 1st, 2017, a gunman in Las Vegas opened fire from a Mandalay Bay hotel room into a crowd below attending the 91 Harvest Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip, killing 58 and wounding hundreds. Multiple lawsuits were filed against MGM Resorts International, which owns the Mandalay Bay Hotel, alleging liability and negligence for allowing the shooter to store his weapons and ammunition inside the hotel. Now more than two years after the shootings, MGM has agreed to a settlement valued between $735 and $800 million. Joining me as co-host to discuss this settlement is my friend and Ringler colleague, Bob Caples. Bob is the CEO, president, and managing associate of Ringler's Houston office. And our special guest today is attorney Mo Aziz of Abraham Watkins, Nichols, Sorrells, Agosto, and Aziz. Mo represents more than 1,300 victims and survivors of that horrific shooting. So with that, welcome to the show, Mo. Great to have you here on Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. Glad to be here. Terrific. Mo, let's let's go back to October 1st, 2017, and, and remind our listeners about how this all happened. Tell us about it. Sure, Larry. So we know that, um, you know, the, the shooting started during the concert, but the, the buildup to this shooting had been going on for a number of days with uh, the shooter basically uh, taking into the Mandalay Bay dozens and dozens of weapons, uh, assault rifles, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. And uh, eventually it led up to um, you know him blowing out a window and starting starting the shooting, which we all know led to catastrophic injuries and, and deaths and the worst. Uh, mass shooting in the history of our country. Well, Mo, uh, thanks again for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And I know our listeners are excited for to hear your perspective. Um, you were the first to file suit in litigation against MGM and part of the team that entered into the settlement with MGM Resorts International and other defendants. Having that unique perspective, could you tell us about the liability and negligence of MGM? Sure, Bob. Uh, and again, thanks for having me. Well, you know, the, the case really boiled down to, from our perspective, to be a, a, a negligent security case. Um, now, you know, one, one important fact is that the festival grounds were also owned by the MGM uh, entities. So you had the shooter at one MGM entity, which is the Mandalay Bay, and was shooting at another uh, venue, which also... Had, uh, was owned by the MGM, which has some legal uh, significance. But really, from a more practical perspective, Bob, our point from day one had been, hey, how did the shooter amass such an arsenal? How how did he get it up there? Why was there no security at the, you know, checking his bags? Um, 
and, and really, why was he allowed to use the freight elevator uh, and get this vantage point where he was able to, you know, wreak the havoc that he could on these uh, people, unsuspecting, uh, you know, consumers at this concert venue. So, from a premises liability perspective, Bob, our position had always been, hey, this should have never been allowed to happen uh, from Mandalay Bay's perspective. Uh, you know, any form of security um, geared at, you know, targeting a mass shooter should have raised many, many, many red flags that should have prevented the shooting. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's certainly a tragedy. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, Mo, that during the early parts of, of this case, uh, I assume MGM was putting up more of a defense uh, and then ultimately settled the case. It was a pretty a pretty quick settlement as these these big tragic cases go, uh, rel- relatively quick anyway. Uh, what do you think led to that? And, and while you're telling us that, uh, there were some horrible tragedies that occurred, obviously, in the, in the deaths and, and injuries in, these, in this incident. Uh, maybe you can give us a little perspective on s- some of the actual folks that you got to meet along the way. So give us a perspective Absolutely. on both of those. Absolutely, Larry. So let's talk about the first part of your question, uh, which is, you know, MGM's initial uh, approach to this litigation. Uh, you know, initially there was, uh, frankly, a lot of criticism. I remember I faced criticism in, in, for filing the case, and my client was criticized in social media and whatnot. But um, I think as more facts came to light, you know, the, the public's perception of this whole event started to change. The next thing that MGM did was, you know, they filed they, they filed suits against plaintiffs, victims in this case, um, if you may recall, which again kind of we really heated up the, the you know the, the 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 tone of the litigation got very heated and personal, frankly, for some of my clients. Uh, and but I think once the dust settled after the initial filings uh, and. Uh, the after the the MGM filings against the plaintiffs, uh, I think all all sides decided that trying to settle the case would be in everybody's best interest, plaintiffs and the defendants, as opposed to some litigation that could easily go ten, fifteen years uh, and end up in numerous appeals, both at the state and federal level. So I think to answer your first question, Larry, the reason we reached a settlement, it was a quick settlement, extremely quick settlement, given the the magnitude and the complexity of the case and just the sheer numbers involved, right? Just the number of fatalities, the number of major gunshots, the number of trampling cases, PTSD cases, uh, very quick settlement. Uh, And and really, I think what prompted it at the end of the day was a a desire for closure on on, on everybody's part and moving on with the healing process. And that brings me to the other thing you said, Larry, is the people, you know, the, the victims, and, and sometimes I feel like they've been lost in the mix, uh, you know, after such a catastrophic shooting, the deadliest shooting in the in the history of the country, and then just, you know, it's almost like every week there's a, there's some shooting, and that, you know, I feel like the, the, the victims of the October 1st shooting are not being talked about enough. Um, but there's a lot of stories there to tell, a lot of really touching, heartbreaking stories, a lot of husbands that have lost wives, uh, you know, children that have lost parents, but also a lot of young people 
who have been scarred physically for life and then also emotionally for life. I mean, I represent, uh, you know, young men and women. Some of them are even first responders, but they've just never been through this type of event. And, you know, getting shot by these high caliber uh, bullets, you know, devastating injuries. I and mean, we have devastating injuries of people who have you know, head wounds, um, permanent physical injuries, which they'll never be the same. So, um, in addition to that, we also have people who although survived a major uh, gunshot, but had to witness their loved ones being killed, bleeding out to death. I have one client who, who, who was with his fiance. She got shot. He tried to carry her out of the venue. She was bleeding out. Uh, he, he, he placed a tourniquet on her leg, finally got her into a car uh, with some you know, good Samaritans. But by the time she got to the hospital, she had bled to death. So, you know, he's never going to forget that experience in his whole life. And uh, nothing, no amount of money is going to bring her back. But all we can hope is try to help our clients with the healing process. No question. The mayhem and the, the horror of it all. And, of course, you also have what they t- call survivor's guilt, you know, where the people that, that just got, you know, where the bullets just missed and the one next to them is is killed – sits there and goes, why, why not me? And why, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible thing to go through life with. It, it is. Right? So, I mean, I'll give you another example. I represent a family who was there and they're, um, you know, two young ladies, um, they're with their mom and dad, uh, mom gets shot, killed. Uh, and you know, one of the questions that the, the clients have is, Hey, why, why did this happen? Have to happen to my mom? Right. Uh, and you know, why am I okay? And she's not here today. Yeah. Terrible, terrible. No, it's gut-wrenching, Mo, and it's just so tragic. And thank you for putting a, a, a light where it deserves to be with, uh, you know, as you mentioned, giving more attention to these victims. Um, with that said, Mo, what was your reaction to the $800 million settlement? How did you feel at the end of it? Sure. Uh, well, so, you know, it, it, the settlement negotiations had been in the works <clears throat> for a long time. And this is, you know, a deal like this, this doesn't happen in a week or even a month. So this all had been progressing in this direction since uh, February of this year. And um, although the final deal was done when it was announced, but my reaction was a positive one uh, in the sense that, you know, I would have, if we had to, we would have gone through with it, but I really did not want to put through my clients through the, litigation process of having to relive this first in deposition and then have to relive it again at trial and then wait for years and years for their turn to come uh, just because of the sheer number of clients. So um, my reaction about the settlement was positive. Um, You know, obviously we recommended it for our clients. Uh, You know, we think it's in their best interest for the case to settle. Uh, And I do think it does kind of make a statement on behalf of, you know, the industry and MGM to their credit as well, that hey, to some, they're at least, you know, trying to remedy in a way uh, what, you know, what has happened here. Yeah, no question about it. And I think uh, your your thoughts about that were, were correct in terms of trying to put some finality to this rather than string it out forever, which only uh, increases the 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 pain of the victims as they as they go through as they go through that time frame. Well, with that, let's take a quick break right now. But we'll be back in a minute right here on Ringle Radio to talk more about this uh, tragic incident 
and the settlement that has recently transpired with Moaziz. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. There's a Ringler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler advisor nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, along with my Ringler colleague and co-host, Bob Caples, and our special guest, attorney Mo Aziz of Abraham Watkins, Nichols Sorrells, Augusto, and Aziz. And we're discussing the MGM Global Settlement of the Las Vegas shooting cases. Uh, Mo, you represent more than 1,300 victims and survivors. What does this settlement mean for the victims of this terrible tragedy? And, you know, we all looked at the $800 million number, uh, and obviously it's a huge number, but uh, there are an awful lot of victims. So uh, what does it mean for, for the victims generally and uh, and and more particularly sure so you know what, it, what the, the process that's been set out in the settlement is that there's going to be a fund administrator that's going to allocate this amount amongst the victims uh, based on their you know nature of injury um, and whether they've lost loved one uh, and certain criteria are going to be set forth i think big picture what it means for them, uh, for the most of my clients that I've talked to about this, which, you know, we've spent a lot of time, uh, weeks on end, talking to them individually because, you know, we had to explain to them the upside, downside, risk, benefit of of whether this was something that was in their best interest or not. But generally, it means for them, you know, closure um, and trying to move on with this sad chapter in their lives. Um, and in, in specific... You know, there's a lot of them that have been unable to return to a normal lifestyle, either be it due to a catastrophic injury or just due to the overwhelming anxiety that this event has caused in their lives. And our hope is that some of this money would help them with ongoing medical bills, will help them with lost time off work, uh, will help them get the psychological help that they need, which sometimes you can't get through a traditional insurance program or some type of, you know, Medicare or Medicaid. So we're hoping that that they will be able to be in a position to get the help they need so that they can move on with their lives. That's good, Mo. Thank you. Um, so, Mo, on your, on your firm website, you were quoted as saying, quotes, in this era of mass shootings, this settlement sends a strong message to the hospitality industry that all steps necessary to prevent mass shootings must be taken, close quotes. 
do do you believe we're going to be able to still see some change coming out of this settlement and what's transpired since? Absolutely. Absolutely, Bob. I truly believe that. In fact, not only do I believe that, I've seen it uh, with my own two eyes. I've spent a lot of time in Las Vegas in the last two years on this case, you know, months and months. And what I've seen is changes as in there you see more armed security at hotels and casinos. You see armed, uh, you know, undercover security officers. You see a lot of canines now. Uh, you know, some uh, some hotels and resorts had these type of procedures before this, but every property that I've walked into over the past year uh, on the Strip, for example, I've seen armed security uh, and I've seen um, canines, which are a very important security feature when it comes to detection of ammunition and explosives. Uh, and and I'm sure there's other changes. We heard about changes with, you know, not letting people leave their do not disturb signs on for days on end, not allowing them to use freight elevators and whatnot. But I think just the changes that I've seen in the last year or so are positive. Uh, you know, obviously there's never a guarantee, but these types of changes, I would hope, uh, would prevent a future event like this, at least in hotels and in places where, you know, they have taken these types of security measures. Well, you know, Mo, that's that's uh, great that you're seeing that kind of change uh, out there on the Strip and in other uh, hotels and places where a lot of people gather, uh, at least coming out of this tragedy, hopefully there'll be some change for the better. You know, you touched on this briefly, Mo, a little while ago when you talked about how the individual claimants in this large group are going to be allocated a portion of the uh, the overall settlement. Uh, can you go into a little more detail about this independent claims administrator? Has has that individual been appointed yet by the court? And uh, and if so, who that is? And 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 what about their role? And how how is how is it going to work uh, more specifically? Yes, sir. So the the individual has not been appointed yet. It might be more than one individual. Uh, it might be two individuals. Uh, typically, these, these persons, uh, the, the people who serve in these type of roles, are very experienced and very well respected um, lawyers. Typically, former judges sometimes, um, and their role is to review each case. Really, it's kind of like a blind study. Like they don't know who rep- who the lawyers are that represent the claimant. They get information packets which have details of damages for each claim. And their role is really to go through these and assign some type of value system that the court eventually should approve. Uh, So our hope, you know, the aim is to have complete transparency for the entire process uh, and and get maybe one or two, even three uh, uh, administrators so that there's number one, Oversight, number two, just the volume of things is so much that we don't want a, a single person to just get bogged down in uh, claims. I will tell you, we, the, the, you know, the, present, the package that we are preparing or have been working on for a long time now for our clients, in some cases, are very voluminous. When we're talking about cases where people have you know, what's called a life care plan, they've got lots of past medical needs, future medical projections, um, lots of data that has to be presented to these individuals. And then that, that, that data 
then converts into an allocation system that should be approved by the court. That's very good. And I, I also assume, obviously, that uh, some of those claimants may may uh, look to a structured settlement to help them uh, take that money over their lifetime, et cetera. Is that something you're, you're also uh, positively uh, trying to uh, make happen? You know, we always tell our clients that, hey, if you're, if you're going to get a, a settlement of any sizable amount, structure it. Uh, and so, you know, as that is the law for minors, you know, anybody under 18, which would there are a, a fair number of minors involved in this litigation due to, uh, you know, a lot of people or young people dying who had kids. Uh, and, but even adults, a lot of them will be looking for, to structure their money to protect their settlements. Well, that's a wise choice. I agree. And, you know, Mo, uh, sadly and unfortunately, uh, yourself as a personal injury lawyer, uh, Larry and uh, folks like and myself and folks that like us that operate within the settlement planning arena all too often, you know, witness firsthand the suffering of the injured parties. Um, when tragedy strikes, oftentimes these victims not only suffer physically, but also mentally. Can you share with us how this incident has impacted your clients? Sure. So, you know, what I've seen across the board, guys, is, you know, there's obviously there's cases where you have a loss of a loved one or catastrophic injuries. But what I've seen is that every person that who was in that venue who had to live through this event, regardless of their background, regardless if, you know, they had any training as, uh, you know, even in some cases as first responders, everybody has gone through severe emotional trauma. And though not only the trauma of not knowing, first of all, not knowing what was happening. Secondly, just the chaos uh, of the of the night, and then the, seeing the bloodshed, seeing the bodies, and then the survivors' guilt. Right. So the the combination of all of these things has affected people differently, but to a pretty significant and extreme, and in some cases, unfortunately, to such an extreme manner that they can't really function as they were functioning before this. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty, you know, PTSD is, is a real thing. Uh, you know, we know that now from the you know, decades of war with veterans coming back and with this very real condition. Uh, and so a lot of these people are, uh, the majority of them have a severe PTSD. And that's a big mental health issue. No question. And I think, you know, we, we shouldn't forget also that uh, people like yourself are impacted by these kinds of events. I mean, you're representing these individuals, you're seeing all the trauma, all the heartache, uh, and it can't help but uh, <laughs> impact you as well. And uh, we know that that's uh, all part of trying to make things better for everyone as you go through this process of now settling the case and now trying to uh, make sure that the individual claimants that you have, the clients that you have are, are are compensated in, in a fair way. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you, Mo, to talk to you about this case or other cases, uh, how would they do that? You know, they can, uh, I, I can reach via email, uh, which is M-A-Z-I-Z at A-W-T-X law.com. Or by, I mean, I, I, all of my clients at least have my cell phone number. So <laughs> I tell people to call me. If they need to get a hold of me, that's the best way to get a hold of me, which is, 832-868-4198. Terrific, terrific. And Bob, if someone wanted to uh, contact you, how would they do that? 
Thanks, Larry. I would also uh, suggest my email address, which is reads out as rcaples, C-A-P-L-E-S, at ringlerassociates.com. They can also visit me on LinkedIn or Facebook business page, but I also would uh, suggest uh, visiting uh, my firm's website to find me there as well. Terrific. And of course, you can go on ringlerassociates.com, which is a great website. It has a lot of great information about a lot of subject uh, in this industry. And it also, you can reach any Ringler Associate with all over the country. Uh, they're all listed there with their phone numbers and email addresses, even their pictures, which is some, sometimes scary. But uh, in addition to that, uh, you can also find all of the Ringler radio shows on ringlerassociates.com. Or you can find them also on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or even iTunes, where you can download this show or any other Ringler Radio show and then listen at your leisure. So with that, I want to thank you again, uh, Bob, for being a great co-host today. Thank you, Larry, for having me. It's always a pleasure. And more importantly, Mo, thanks for being a great guest and for giving us all the insight on this uh, horrific, horrific uh, event. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Bob. Terrific. And for all the rest of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. Today.